What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan. You're listening to episode 244. We're both like touching our faces. We're like right when I hit record. Just like we're right off that glare of us, uh, like oily skin. Like a nice sheen on your forehead. It is. <laughs> it's great. How are you doing tonight? We have hockey. How are you? Other than literally glowing, um, I'm doing pretty good. We are, I mean, by the time this comes out, it'll be probably day of hockey actually being back in front of us. But we are 24 hours out from the time of this recording from Red Wings hockey being on Red Wings home ice. And I will be there and I can't freaking wait. It'll also be on television. Like it'll be broadcast on Bally because it's a home game and we're playing oh, it's on, Penguins. It's on Bally tomorrow? Yeah, Bally Sports Extra or Plus oh, or whatever the hell I know they the Tigers are playing, so. Yeah, it's Extra or Plus. So the, the Bally 2, that channel. Yeah. Yep. And eventually it'll be called something else because Bally, again, is bankrupt and we don't know what's happening there. Speaking of, I just saw a tweet before I got on here. You see what the Vegas is doing? Uh, are they broadcasting all their games for free because there's not a, a thing happening, not a discussion? No, they're doing a direct to consumer where they're pr- providing access to all of their home games that are that aren't on a national broadcast. So for sixty nine ninety nine. You can get their nice. 69 games that aren't going to be a national or like main broadcast to ESPN or TNT. See, now that I don't mind. That no, I'm okay $69.99 for the whole season or which is those 69 games or $6.99 per game. That's dumb. Why would you buy single games? I, I, think I, I so. don't know either, but it's I mean, obviously, some people might just want to do that. And it's an option, but that's genius. I like the direct-to-consumer model. I don't mind that price. I didn't like how Bally's subscription service was like $25 a month. And I mean, you could watch Tigers. Who wants to do that right now? I mean, they're better now. I'm not, it's okay. It's so you can go watch Torkin Green. Uh, but Maggie's Farewell. 25 bucks a month to watch hockey and baseball when you can pay like 60 Basketball. bucks, get Hulu, and then you'll be able to watch it anyways. No, you can't. Or not Hulu. No, did Hulu got rid of it? You could get Direct TV. Uh, you could get Direct TV or Xfinity Stream, one of those two, and you'd be able to do it. I believe Xfinity Stream has that. See, I'm about yeah. to jump back over to Direct TV because they also have NHL Network, and I'm I don't know pissed about not having that one with Hulu. So I just stole my in-laws' cable login, so I get to watch all the games for free, anyways. Smart. Which is uh, I don't have to pirate, so I can ditch the eye patch. And I get to watch all the games. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, but what we have to talk about tonight is we have a red and white game to recap. Now, there's a lot. Uh, a disc- there's a lot. So I think we're going to go player by player. I'll let you say a player first and start with your notes. I'll follow up. We'll go back and forth. I think we just want to, again, I feel like the past five episodes, we've had to have a disclaimer before every episode. This disclaimer coming from the mouth of Sean Horkoff says, take this with a grain of salt. Everyone is trying to get their legs under them and work things out. Do not put too much stock into a scrimmage where they're also not trying to hurt each other, even though Matt Luff exploded his shoulder. Um, Apparently, people that were by the glass said you could hear it. Basically, his his arm pop out of his his socket, uh, which is gross. But we don't know what the actual injury is. But yeah, but it was obviously what it was. Yeah, but. Take it with a grain of salt. Take the performances with a grain of salt. We know Sebastian Kosa didn't. What we saw in watching these games. Yeah. 
we know Kosa didn't get a game in. There's a reason for that. They had to play Lion. They had to play Reimer. They had to play Huso and Hutchinson's on a PTO. Yep. That's why Kosa didn't get a game. It's fine. You're not going to see wow performances from a bunch of guys. I mean, there were some really pretty moves, mm-hmm. but none of the stuff in this scrimmage is meant to say, here's your place on the roster. Here's your place on the roster. You're on the team. You're not. That's what preseason is for. Yeah. So we're going to go player by player. Even the loan made that comment. I know we're going to touch on a little bit of this media stuff, but he even said today, I think it was today's media release or media availability, I should say, is that they probably won't have who, who's going to be the who who on the roster until going into almost the final game of this, the preseason. Yep. So there's eight games. So you're going to be taking that full two week period to figure out who's going to be here. And he even said, even after that final game, there's likely still going to be a couple guys lingering that are will be making a case for why they should be on that on the team come opening night. Yeah, preseason is prove it season, guys. So, Ryan, who do you want to start with? Uh, well, the first one on my list, which he made the immediate impact, was Sprung. He, to me, the, throughout the entire session, whether it was five on five, power player, what have you, that fucker can shoot. There's an early bleep. I'm sorry. Bomb. Dude, he does not mess around. And it is a strong, powerful, accurate shot. That slap shot from the point, wicked. And he made guy like whoever's in goal. I didn't really track who was in goal the entire time because it was really hard to tell more often than not. The only bummer about the view during training camp is the net. Oh, the, oh yeah, the glass. obstructs everything. Like, I wish they would angle that so it like comes directly over the crowd and like toward uh, the cameras. So the camera had a, would have a clear, unobstructed view. I mean, we should push. I should talk to B-Case about that and have him change that. But uh, but no, Sprong, like the way that they opened up scoring him and uh, I think it was Valeno uh, busted out on a two on one break. And Sprong was actually kind of down inside the left face off dot almost to the red line. And he fired home a one timer. And I think he beat Huso right off the bat. And it set the tone for what how he kind of looked, I think, throughout the entire day. I think he was in the hashes on the the left circle. Was he inside? Or he was around that area. It was but... it was close to the, the dot. Maybe I think it was just below because it was a weird angle. Like it was a hell of a yeah. cross ice pass too. Well, what it was in and what you didn't mention there is that his release is fast. Yeah, the one timer is not even fully in front of him before he takes that shot. And like you said, it's crazy accurate. That's basically what I had on Daniel Sprong. He's got a bomb. And every chance, the anytime the puck is near him, it's on net. And that's his job. And that's how he got his, what do you have, 20 goals last season yeah. playing for like fourth line minutes or third line minutes with the uh, Kraken. I mean, Daniel Sprong is, again, one of those guys where you hope that offense keeps going because depth scoring is a really big problem for the team. And it looks like it's absolutely no problem for Daniel Sprong. If, if he... Puts up the way that he was in this game. Again, it's a scrimmage amongst your teammates. Sure. He wasn't holding back. He was putting the body on. He was yep. winning battles in the corners. He was making things happen. And if you're going to keep put, putting the puck on net, every time he threw it at the net, something happened. It caused, it was wreaking havoc in there. And I was pumped watching him on the ice. Yeah, it's, and it's like you said, so it's quick. It's accurate. It's on target. He beat Huso clean. Yeah. Like 
no chance. Huso, like I didn't feel bad at all because Huso had zero zero chance to save that puck. Uh, it was going in regardless of who the goalie was there. But uh, Sprong's a good one, and it's, I think he's one that a lot of people are excited for. He's a lot of people's like sleeper performer for yeah. the team, and and I can see it because if you get that depth scoring, that third line, that fourth line scoring from Daniel Sprong, you can win some of those games where you only lost. That was like seventeen games or something where we only lost by one by like one goal. You need some depth scoring to be able to bring that back. So I think Sprong yeah. is is an addition there that's going to help with something like it, that. And he looked really well. And with him too, like I would not be surprised if he's going to be a, tr- a like a true floater on the roster, meaning he's going to jump around and be impactful on on multiple lines. Yeah, I could see it, and and with that shot, also getting a, quite a bit of special teams time as mm-hmm. well. Uh, yeah. Probably power play too. So uh, let's see who do I want to go with. Let's go with the next, I guess, obvious choice, and Alex Debrinket. So. Alex Dabrinkit, he he again is in all of the senators' mouths again for the things that he said about he may have been a little lazy last season. And I guess that that happens when you're uh, he just wasn't happy, man. Like you're playing oh. with a rookie center and, and a guy who's Batherson was what in his second season and he he got shoved down to the second line, which he probably would have performed much better if he was on the first line with uh, Stutzla and Giroux. Probably. But it is what it is, and he didn't want to be an Ottawa. He, he no, should bounce back. He didn't back. want to leave Chicago. He was in a good spot there playing with Taze and Kane. That's what he grew up in his career on. Yep. Yeah, I think that it's he thinks he can turn it around, getting back to the 40-goal uh, form, but he also recognized that he needs to bring up his defensive game a bit, which is what Lalone is preaching. But in this red and white game, Alex Dabrinkit, I have, he's shooting a ton. Yeah. He just kept taking shots on net sneaky zone entries so he was quick always trying always finding open ice which was excellent and larkin found him almost every single time and he found an open guy almost every single time when he was covered but what i noticed about debrinket and his people will say his size he's small he uses his body very effectively mm-hmm. so what you said with what soderblom was doing debrinket does the same thing he uses his butt to block people out yeah. When you see him with the, the puck and he's got people around, yeah, he is always hunched over with his arms extended so the, so the puck is far enough ahead of him that guys aren't able to reach around and just grab it. But he's good at boxing people out. And because he is shorter, he's a little heavier. He has a lower center of gravity, so he's not easy to knock over. So yeah. shooting a lot, getting open, finding open ice. Uh, there was what we saw from Iserman. He was a facilitator. He was able to pass clean passes across ice for a bunch of really good chances. And I'm excited to see what Debrinkit can bring because he he already seems like he's super elated. He said it finally hit him at uh, training camp that he's a Red Wing and like it's a real thing. So he's excited. The team's excited to have him. And, and I saw a lot of even in this just short one period of of full play that he was a he had brought energy energy to the team no and that's i mean we touched on right right at the get-go with him the speed was evident and even when he didn't have the puck he was retrieving the puck there were several times in the offensive zone if they like a loose puck in the corner he ended up going and recovering it and keeping it alive getting it back to the defense to kind of reset the cycle and go back through it but whenever he was out there if there was open ice, he was finding it and he was cutting through guys to get there. And Larkin, I think almost every time he brought it up, especially in the transition through the neutral zone, 
he was hitting to brink it either fast along the wing, hitting him up the boards as he's cutting in, where Larkin would take it wide and then to brink it would kind of float with him. And then he'd, he'd split defenders and hit him right there in the middle. And then they would kind of start a rotation going around that way. It was the, it seemed like quickly the chemistry has started with those two. And I hope that really continues. Yeah. Larkin seems to have a fire under his ass speed. too, which is There's a lot excellent. of speed there. He's, he's flying and it's, it's good because his entries were pretty, for the most part, all clean as well. Um, but it's mm-hmm. good to see Debrinka get those clean entries in too. So who's your next guy? Uh, let's see. I had a Walman cider pairing, but I'm going to go to the next individual person I have on here. Gossip bear. I was very happy to see the way that he doesn't seem to have lost a step whatsoever. His vision in skating, I thought in again, scrimmage time, but he was not messing around out there. He was all over the ice, whether it was pushing up in the offensive zone he he was smart. It seemed like more often than not to not get too like too far below the faceoff dots. Yeah, but not too would, deep. Yeah, he didn't get too deep in the offensive zone. But when he did, it was a recovery in the corner, and he would recycle and reset it, and then shift with whoever was the forward at the point and get back up there to keep things going. I loved the vision. I know at one point he had a situation where he did pinch down like that at one once. Puck got loose. He skated back up, caught it was skating toward the blue line, went between the legs. I can't remember who it was. He he passed it to, but it kept the, I think it might have been Sprong, actually, um, but kept the play alive in a lot of different ways, whether it was a sauce pass going point to point, the between the leg pass right there to keep things going. Innovation offensively that we were hoping he was going to bring, I think was definitely on display. And, I, and that's one of the things I'm really excited for as we go into the season. Yeah, he's also not slow. I think that's another thing that I had on him is he's not a slow guy. Uh, He was also shooting and he seems to like to shoot a little more from down low. It seems like that you it maybe it's mid, but not like towards not past the red line. But he likes to shoot more towards the dot. It seems like he's not really a get to the point and shoot kind of guy. He's more of a shoot down low. We've seen historically he can do that if he had like with he's got a good slap shot. But uh, it also looks like he may be on the first power play unit with Mo Sider. So it looks like they might run a two D-man power play. Uh, Max Boltman had tweeted out that this was during this was before the red and white game, but during the last day of uh, training camp where they were practicing special teams, it was Sider, Debrinket, Larkin, and Ghost and Perron, which lets Ghost really use his offense in there. Yep. But then if they do lose control of the puck, be able to flip the switch and move back to a defensive role, which I don't mind because he is an offensive defenseman. He provides as much offense really as a forward if you put him in that position. Plus, it lets you spread out your offense to a second power play unit where you can move um, uh, Lucas Raymond to that second power play unit and not have to stack uh, all high level offense on the first power play. Yeah, what I liked, I mean, that unit you just mentioned for the first power play, that was on Team Red. And that was, you know, Perron is your net front or the go behind the net guy. He would also, he was the bottom guy for your triangle. Larkin was your bumper, much as we saw last season. But then you had Debrinket on the left side, Ghost on the other dot, faceoff dot with Mo up top. You saw a little bit of a rotation with Ghost and Mo. But the only thing, what I really appreciated about it is that. Debrinket wasn't afraid to shoot. Ghost wasn't afraid to shoot. Yeah. Mo, I wanted to see you put the puck on net more. 
there was a lot of what I noticed in the power play was there was a lot of movement. Now the power play didn't score On that one the in whole time. They were all over the place. Yeah, the power play didn't score, which again, it's it was also guys, one minute. They had one minute to try yeah. to get something to happen. Yeah, and for for lack of time though, they were able to set up, especially that first unit, very mobile, a lot of movement, fluid mm-hmm. movement. They hit the post and, several times, uh, but a lot of good shots. Like there was opportunities to get shots. The penalty yeah. kill was also really good. So that's the other half of it is like you had a good penalty kill. And the power play, you saw what can happen there. It's just nothing went in, which, I mean, that to me, uh, in a scrimmage that's neither here nor there, you want to see the movement, you want to see the looks, because eventually something will happen. It just didn't happen during that game. But I agree that Ghost, great acquisition we've said from the beginning. I think he'll, if nothing but bring some offense to this team as a veteran presence for these guys that are coming up and learning We've got a lot of younger defensemen that at some point will start making their way into the lineup, whether it's to injuries or trades or whatever. But you're going to have guys like Mata to teach those guys, guys like Ghost to come in and teach those guys how to be an NHL defenseman, which is really important as well as bringing, I guess, a little bit of skill to the team as well. Yeah, Mata and Ghost were on a PK together. Yeah, which is uh, weird. I'm not sure I'd use Ghost on the PK I see Mata. I didn't think he did too bad out there. No, but uh, who I was impressed with defensively, and I don't have a lot of notes on him, was Justin Hole. Um, yeah. Justin Hole didn't look bad. He didn't kill the team, and he he can kill penalties, I believe. But I want to talk about Nate Danielson. Ooh. So Nate Danielson, I'm pretty sure, and if I counted right, I don't think he lost a faceoff. Um, he didn't because I do have a note that he won consecutive draws against Anisimov. He won draws against JT Comfer. I mean, he was uh, he was killing it. Uh, Nate Danielson, I have he was winning faceoffs, playing great defense. Do the kid is stout defensively? Yeah. Um, he what I really noticed is he's really good at closing the man off along the boards. But when he's got him closed off, he pokes the puck behind him uh, to get it back down to the goalie. So I just think that Nate Danielson, if he can work a little bit on his offense, which I'm not saying it's bad because there's shots there. There's shots there and there's chances there, but his defensive game is fantastic. And he says he's a defensive first center. But yep. if you've got that part of the game down, train up your offense, man. Do the Dylan Larkin route. Work on your defense first, then open up or work on defense and open up offensively. And uh, in, in the words of Lalone, these are all teachable things. Yeah, and he's still with the team. So Nate Danielson yeah. was not part of the first two rounds of cuts. It looks like he'll get two rounds. That was first uh, round. Three more people were released today. Oh, I uh, didn't Emmett, see the first one. Yeah, Emmett Finney was released today, and there were a couple other guys that were released from PTOs. But uh, Nate Danielson is... I he didn't think look out of place. No, he, I think he can be a force, too. Like, if if he was able to play in the AHL, which he's not because of the stupid CHL agreement... Can they make that the, happen at all? Can they make that happen? Like, can they move him? Like, can they get... Is there a waiver? Or is there an exemption? So, Shane Wright was able to get an ex- an exemption to play but in the didn't, HL. Didn't he have exceptional status, though? He had exceptional status, and they're using the reason of he had to have a year off because the OHL didn't play during COVID. But the problem there is that if you look at his games played in the OHL, Nate Danielson has more games played than Shane Wright in the OHL. So if you go by that, oh, well, he's just had more what would be considered active time in the OHL, but not games played, they gave him a pass, 
But I think that if you look at games, I w- if I was Eisenman, I go, wait, my guy's played more games. Why can't my guy get a pass? So right. for the whole system is stupid. Like, so if you got to do it for one and you get to say it's like, oh, he had exceptional status or, oh, they had to take a year off because of COVID. I mean, sure. But then you got guys like him. And I think Savoy was another one people mentioned that have played more, but still have to go back to junior. I don't know. I guess that's we'll wait and see on that. But my my big notes, I think, with him, like I, I mentioned, he won the s- several draws against Anisimov, who's been around the league for ever at this point. He's what, 35 on his PTO? 35 or 36. Yeah, yeah. he played in the AHL last season and the KHL the season before. But I I, I, I would love an Isimov in Grand Rapids. I wonder if that's going to be one Absolutely. of the two, like two-way signings for them to fill a, a veteran void. But back to Danielson, like I love this forecheck. He was in the middle of all the plays. He drove the net with a scoring chance early on in the five-on-five five. Uh, on, fi- on the power play. I liked that they were not afraid to use him on the wing and they also weren't afraid to put him at center. So he got to see both sides of it where he was sitting on the left dot. And then he also was playing the Larkin role of the bumper. The only thing I would have liked from him more is when he was in the bumper role, take the shot. He looked to try to go one play extra to hit the open guy in the slot, which didn't seem to work out on on two different occasions that I can think of offhand. And I, Again, that's just going to be one of the the learning things of getting comfortable with the speed, with how things are going to go. Like when you got the chance, you got to take it. And I think once that clicks for him, it's he's going to be lights out. He's he used his body well. He didn't look out of place. I can't really. I mean, yes, scrimmage time, but he's one of those guys that maybe eight games into preseason. That's where he's one of the names getting getting a look. Is it going to happen? I'm not going to hold my breath. You never know what could happen though. But he he looked good. And I was happy with his performance there. Yeah, one of the more solid first camps that I've seen from a guy uh, in Nate Danielson. So who's your next guy? Uh, let's see. Next guy, Lucas. You want to do the wall? Oh, you want to do Raymond? All right, let's do Raymond. No, I, I actually I scrolled down a little bit, so I actually skipped over some guys. But Raymond is my next guy. And one of my first note on him, causing havoc through the middle during the rush. He physically looks bigger. Lalone talked about it. And I, I like to comment from Malone actually about him in particular on um, Raymond's performance. He made the the note, and we'll mention this real quick, that he will be playing with Larkin and Debrinkit tomorrow night in the preseason home opener. I think that's fantastic. He said that Raymond looks stronger and physically has taken a step. Now that needs to translate to his play. It's not so much in being like a David Perron where he has to be in there in the middle, mucking things up, using the body and trying to get get crazy with it. But it's going to be in winning puck battles along, along the edge. If he's going to the net, knowing how to physically put himself into position to try to score or set up a, a scoring chance, he wants him to be stronger, alone said, and naturally that's happening. So now will that be make that translate into winning puck battles and keeping plays alive? I think that's where he thinks the next step for, for Raymond's going to be because that could end up putting him on the score sheet more. And honestly, with the way he looked, I think, in this camp, he had a lot of great scoring opportunities and shots on net. And yeah, the chances are going to be there, whether he's top line or second line. I'm not too worried about it, I, but I think it's going to be how he handles that. I don't even want to call it adversity. It's just where you're at, make things happen. I think that's what's going to be important. But I was happy with the way he looked in the, in the Red and White game. 
Yeah, the only extra notes I really have on that is it, it seems like it's a more, and I think he even mentioned it, a more shoot first Lucas Raymond. Yeah. Uh, last season, it was a lot of trying to find a pass or passing up on chances to, to try to get it to a guy. But this season, it seems like more of a Lucas Raymond has the puck, Lucas Raymond shooting the puck. And like you said, he was ca- causing havoc and he does look bigger, but he also looks a lot stronger on his skates, mm-hmm. which is nice to see. Like he's not his his weight did not make him slower. It just seems like it made him more steady, which is kind of what you wanted. He He's not going to get beat like as easily in board battles. He'll be able to go to a corner and take away pucks if he needs to take away pucks. But it looks like he's also going to be able to shoot the puck more, get more points by getting pucks on net where we're going to have some guys in front in Perron, in Rasmussen, in Debrinket or wherever you put guys that are going to be able to get the puck and in right in front to try and get those goals. So Raymond looks improved. He has to show it though. That's that, like you said, he needs to show that, uh, that he can make up those points that he maybe lacked last season. Lalone did though, like we mentioned earlier, say that Larkin and Debrinket and Raymond will start on the top yeah. line, uh, going into tomorrow's game against Pittsburgh. Be intrigued to, uh, you got to think if that's going to be your top line, that they're going to have a cider Wallman pairing out there too, right? Yeah. You have at least one full unit that gets to go together. Yeah, well, let's talk about that next because Wallman and Sider played uh, together in the scrimmage. It looks like they picked up where they left off. Like yeah. Jake Wallman. And again, Jake Wallman's got another burn, which I thought was fantastic. Any second Jake Wallman gets to jab at the St. Louis Blues, he does it. And it's phenomenal. So this time they were talking and he said, this has been the quote. This has been the first time that I've really felt at home in hockey. I felt the connection with the guys and the city of Detroit. And that's just like another. Yeah, here you go, St. Louis, for giving me up for nothing. I feel at home in Detroit and they want me. And uh, it's awesome. We do want Jake Wallman because Jake Wallman, uh, who is practicing the gritty on ice uh, (laughs) uh, during training camp, they were. But. Cider and Wallman, I think, can be one of the top. They were one of the top defensive pairs last season. Yeah. And I Once totally they think they together. could. Yeah, I totally think they could uh, repeat this season because both of them look very solid. Uh, again, Jake Wallman is finding clean passes. He's getting the puck down low. Uh, he's also able to shoot Lucas. Uh, not, not Lucas. A, not afraid to shoot. Yeah. Uh, Mo Cider, same thing. Like you said, though, Mo could probably shoot a little more. Uh, Mo was stepping it up big time defensively. I had a lot. I mean, we all know what Mo can do. There's not really much more to say about him. He already had those hips in motion going, doing the little yep. dipsy doodles up in yeah. the middle of the ice. And then he had a couple of back spins. My note on them in particular from the five on five is they picked up where they left off. The You can tell the chemistry is there. I, there was one instance where Mo had an oops where he tried to get a clearing pass out, went off the skate, but it went right to Walman. They, they reset and then they played it back and forth to each other to get up the zone again for the restart the breakout. Defense in the offensive zone, they go back and forth like it's nothing. The the rotations are there. They kind of just seem to know where each other's going to be. And yeah, the the on the power play, they didn't get time together on the power play, which is a bit of a bummer. But both guys knew their role and took charge of it. I know uh Wallman was on the second power play unit. We already talked about Cider with that first group with Ghost, but Wallman had Sprong, Valeno, Soderblom, and Berggren, and Wallman was having a heyday just setting Sprong up. 
he was moving there. They'd get the puck out and Sprong was actually almost at one point taking his, his place up there at the point, the way he was shooting it and trying to get things on net. But it's everyone was kind of complimenting each other when Wallman and Sider were out there and they knew that they had somebody back there to make, make it happen. And they weren't afraid to get them the puck either. And really you could say that about most of the defenders that were out there this weekend and in that red and white game in particular. I think the only one that I wanted to see a little more from, and not that what I saw was was bad, um, but it was William Wallander. So William yeah. Wallander, he had some good breakout. Uh, he was decent defensively, but then it seemed like he kind of got lost in the shuffle as it went. And he was playing like, I mean, during the the prospect tournament, he was a standout guy. I mean, played really well, had a couple turnovers because I think a lot of it was getting used to the ice size. It's not the same and it's, it's a quicker game. So you don't have that space and that time to, to catch up. But William Wallander just seemed to kind of get lost in the shuffle during the scrimmage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, when he was out there, you saw more in the five on five. It seemed like some of the specialty teams stuff was focused on the guys that have been there a while or yeah. were more comfortable in that role. Because it's a but, it's something that they need to work on. That's yeah. why, like, they know special teams is something they need to improve. So I think they're going to put their actual special teams guys out there. Right, but I mean, when Wander was out there, I think there was a few times where maybe he was overly aggressive. But at the same time, it didn't. It wasn't in a way that it hurt them. And you did see that speed and his skating come through in that moment because he would push up per, pretty heavily along along the faceoff dots and. While it seemed like he's, he he also wasn't out there a lot of the time with top end talent, meaning for his forwards and or defensive partner. Yep. So it was hard for me to be overly judgmental, but he didn't do anything crazy that was negative. The skating yep. was there. He made some good passes. He didn't try to force too much. You could tell that there was times where things got tight and he just kind of bailed out instead of trying to maybe keep, keep play alive. So maybe that was kind of a thing that I would have liked to see more of trying to push the play deeper rather than trying to reset it out back th through the neutral zone. But again, he it's his first time over here for it and it's gonna, all going to be learning that as long as he continues to improve and doesn't be afraid to be aggressive and use those legs that he has, I think he's going to be in a good spot. It's just going to be a transition period going from the SHL to the AHL for him. And I I have no doubt that he'll catch on rather quickly. And he because we've seen what he can do and he's shown that he can be a very yeah. high quality defenseman. I think it's just going to be a little bit of an acclimation period. And the AHL place, uh, the AHL is a good place to do that for him. Um, but what we're going to do before we get to the rest of the guys, we're going to take a quick break. Again, I have to do a live read because these DraftKings scripts God. come fast and furious, man. It's football season. They keep changing stuff around. Uh, so we'll be right back. With uh, with a little more on the red and white game after a word from DraftKings. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee, partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And we're back. And like, Jesus Christ, that's a <laughs> Like, normally during that, like, I insert the ad and like, we take a break to talk about something and I can get a drink and I can catch my breath. Absolutely not this time. That is, uh, that is not... That's not happening. We're just going to roll into the next player, I guess, Ryan. Okay. Like, Ryan got a break. He's good. I got him blacked out for a hot minute there. Yeah, Ryan was just listening to all of the disclaimers and his head is spinning. It's like uh, Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover where like the math is flying around his head <laughs> as we're doing stuff. In the if you can do that while you're talking over my face, I'll, get, I'll pay you. It's hilarious. No, it's easy to do, man. I'm a wizard. Okay, I'm not going to pay you. <laughs> uh, so we talked about Wallman Insider. We talked a little bit about Wallander. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, Artem Anisimov? Like you said, I think he'll he'll be a good vet for Grand Rapids. And he had some nice play, man. He had the set. He had a great setup, like yeah. fantastic cross ice pass. And he's older. I mean, like I said, I think he's thirty six, but I, I think he can be a solid vet for the guys in Grand Rapids. Just a, a fill in, but a dude who's got experience that can help the kids grow. Yeah, I would not be against him. I, one of my notes on him were he was impactful early, and you just highlighted the gr- he had a great cross ice assist. Who was that to? Um, it was to oh man, uh, Gettinger. Tim yes. Gettinger. Yep, he, he tucked it in far side, just off the post, and he was able to slam it home. It was a two on. It was either a two or a three on one. So I mean, but he managed to get it through the defender that was coming back. And really, his size was on display. He didn't look out of place in the faceoff dot. Now, granted, I did make note that Danielson beat him on consecutive draws, but that's because Danielson is a faceoff master, Ryan. Yeah, he's. I, I think Anisimov, like you said, Grand Rapids would be fantastic. He, if absolutely necessary, he could be a guy that fills in on a fourth line for Detroit. It'd be like a Zarnik call up, or if you're trying not to push a rookie in too quickly. He's one of those guys that you can bring onto the roster. You're probably not going to lose him via waivers. And because, I mean, yes, he will be signed. It'd be a one year deal, probably vet minimum, whatever. But bringing him in, waiving him, I don't think is going to be one of those guys that you're going to lose. It could have happened, sure, but it depends on the impact that he's making for one in Grand Rapids and two, yeah. what teams are trying to do. Because most teams at this point, unless they're bottom half or more, don't have the ability to bring in another roster player right now. So yeah, and it's a no loss situation too, if he does get picked up. And I think the chances of him getting that contract now that Matt Luff uh, exploded is probably a little bit higher there because you count on guys like Zarnik and Luff to be fill-ins when there's injuries and maybe, maybe a little less now, depending on how they want to play rookies. Like maybe you say, Cross Hannis might get a couple games or maybe Carter Mazer when he is healthy gets a couple games, but you still need those vet guys yep. to fill those kind of roles too in the extended injuries. So if someone like 
uh, David Perron goes down for what they think is going to be a few weeks, you you bring in a guy like a Zarnik or you bring in a guy like a Luff. And we've already seen that last year with the two. Yeah, it's going to be a stretch of consecutive games that they're going to have to play. I think Anisimov fills that kind of role in the same way that I don't know, like a like a Jordan Osterley down the stretch kind of filled that role. They played him mm-hmm. at forward. They played him at defense. So I think it'd be kind of the same situation there. But uh, he showed well for for what I think you're going to get him for, which would be if you get him what you would sign him for, which is a, a fill in kind of role there. Yeah, no, I, I would not be upset having him around. So we'll we'll see what happens there. I mean, he's been around the league for a while. I remember him from his days in Chicago and Columbus in particular. So I, always a dude that was there, never really stood out, but impactful. I mean, you look back, his career high in points is 45 in the 16-17 season with Chicago, which that's not very far removed. I mean, he had nine points in 18, 19 games with Ottawa in the 2021 season. And 20 and 49 with Ottawa the year before that. So, I mean, he, he's not a guy that is foreign to scoring. So he could provide some type of impact in a depth role if he had to in Detroit. And I think he could be very impactful if it came to being in the AHL. So, Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, let's cover a few oh, more guys. Right? And last year yeah. in the AHL for Lahai, he had 36 points in 55 games. So there you go. He played for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms last season? Yep. Nice. All right. Who you got? We're going to take a few more. Uh, Andrew Kopp. All right. Andrew Kopp. Uh, a guy that I thought he looked like a guy that he was back to form. He yes. seems to have regained speed versus last season coming off the course surgery. And even in today's presser, Malone mentioned him in particular for how he looks like he's back to him, him, his old self. And I think if you've got a guy like cop, like the quote I wrote down in particular was, it looks like he's getting around much better. And I thought that was extremely obvious. He didn't look out of place. Uh, the draw, some of the faceoffs, I thought I would have liked to have seen him, seen him win more, but what I was more focused on is how was he getting up and down the ice? You could see the defensive play. I think to me stood out more than his offensive play did, but I mean, when he was out there for the power play, was, what was he on? He was leading Team White's power play with him, Comfer, uh, Raymond, Fabry, and Petrie. And to me, I actually thought some cop was the net front and down low guy. But I thought that this group had a lot of fantastic movement, and cop helped drive that a lot. And he was also aggressive, I thought, going to the net. Um, the only thing I didn't like about that power play is they literally took the entire minute to try and finally get set up. Uh, for most of their time out there, but Pop took it on on his shoulders, and I thought he looked fast. He looked like he was in great shape, and not having that injury weighing down on him, I think, is going to be huge going into this year. Yeah, I agree, and I'm going to copy and paste all those comments and apply them to JT Comfer. Um, yeah. It's basically the same thing. They both showed energy. Uh, Cop was again going to the corners, going to the boards. Uh, battling for pucks and like you said he looked faster he looked like he had more control than he had last season and again it's a scrimmage but I we need Andrew Kopp is one of the ones that we need big things from Andrew Kopp this season we don't need him to go out and score 30 goals but if he could do 20 
that's what we need. We don't need him to have 50 assists, but if he could have 40, 35, that'd be fine because he's going to be playing top six. I don't think they're going to slot him to third line, but I think that that Andrew Kopp, if he can get that 20 goals, 30 assists, if he can get the 50 to 60 point range, mm-hmm. that's kind of where you want him to be this season. And uh, that'll definitely help supplement the offense that we that we were missing last season. I want to talk, though, about uh, Elmer Soderblom. So Elmer continued. I've got Elmer continues to look good in the scrimmage, popped the water bottle, showed some elusive. Yeah, that moves. was a beautiful shot. Beautiful shot. Elusive moves. Silky hands. Granted, it didn't come until three on three, but that's I, I digress. He still needs to be more physical. That's yeah. the one thing I have on him. The physicality is sorely lacking, but the hands are there. The poise is there. The pressure's there. Down low, from up high, wherever he's at, it seems like he can get the puck to the net. But I also think that as a net front presence, he's also very effective. So Elmer is another guy that if Dan Cleary did not make those comments about him on red and white authority, I would tell you right now that Elmer would make the bottom six easily. But Dan Cleary says he needs to be more consistent. And Dan Cleary is director of player development. So I'm going to take him at his word. And I'm going to say he doesn't make the team out of uh, preseason, but he's working his way there. And if he can just use his body a little more um, physicality wise, because he's good, like we mentioned last time, he's good at blocking out and he's good at being uh, kind of elusive with the puck because his reach is so long. He just needs to to lay the body a little more and that'll up his defensive game. And if he does that consistently, I mean, it's a Elmer is a shoe in for this roster. Yeah. I mean, he was out there on what could be a realistic power play, too. He was out there on the wing with Valeno at center. Now, that's probably not ideal who you want as your power play two centerman. But then he had Sprong on the other wing with Wallman and Berggren up top. I guess Berggren was in the slot, but Elmer was your net front and he didn't look out of place with the way that Sprong and Wallman can put the puck on net. And a guy like Elmer up front, I one of my main notes on Elmer that you didn't touch on, you kind of did, but didn't, is that his stick work was fantastic. Whether it was puck handling or breaking plays up and just kind of being in the way um, when he needed to be defensively. Now, defensive zone, I didn't get enough to, to watch there to see if my thoughts have changed since the prospect tournament. But yeah, no, he could be a guy, again, come that eighth preseason game is still sticking around and maybe have a guy that's in conversation to make this roster. It wouldn't be surprising. I don't think he'd look out of place if he starts using the body even better because he's dom- dom- dominative, dominating presence. There we go. That's a better way to say it when he's out there and when he's aggressive offensively, it helped the team is better for it, or at least the guys that are on the ice are better for it because all eyes go to him, not only because he's big, but because he is dangerous when he's got the puck, especially if you're letting him get into the middle of the ice. Now it's just going to everyone else put it together with him and make things happen. Let's pick a couple more. So let's go to uh, actually, no, it's your turn. Uh, let's see. Beargren. That was go what I was going to say. Go ahead. Look at that. Uh, my first note for him, five on five in particular, is he is all over the frickin ice. He had a shift that reminded me of Nyquist where Nyquist had the, the was the OT winner where he the just 32nd skated. shift against Ottawa. 
Yeah, where he just skated in a circle like five times and then finally yeah. scored. Bergeron yep. had one of those shifts where it didn't lead to a goal, but it led to some chances and he helped move the puck around a lot. What I really appreciated with him is that he was not afraid to shoot in that five-on-five uh, session of the scrimmage where I think maybe before that was a bit of a knock that he was a little too passive, kind of like what we saw with Danielson today where the shot would be there, he'd be in the slot, but then boom, he's going cross ice and trying to hit somebody else. Um, so yeah, my highlight and what I appreciated, he was not afraid to shoot. And when he had the puck, he was driving it and trying to push toward the net or get yeah. it down to the to the goal line to try to make things happen or go behind the, the net to keep things cycling and moving around. I really liked how things, he looked a lot more comfortable. The passing vision, that hasn't changed. I still think he's like a no. mini Zetterberg in regards High to the way end. he can move the puck around. So I was really happy with the way he looked, and I'm excited for him this year too. And the goal that he did have, oh my God. Yeah. So to touch on Hutchinson for a minute, he was actually fairly really impressive. Well. Had some really good saves, especially when they were doing the overtime. Mm-hmm. But he, and I think his goal was on Hutchinson. He was able to wait just wait for so long it felt like it was 10 minutes he got the puck in front of the net and just did little fakes until Hutchinson went down and then he pulled it back and went right over him and it was beautiful um Bergie is fast Bergie is elusive he has great vision and it seems like he's fighting for position still which yeah. is insane to me where they're like I don't know where we're gonna play Bergeron he might be on the fourth line and I think he ends up, he absolutely has, I believe fully in my heart that he has top six potential. Absolutely. I think that he will be on the third or fourth line this season simply because of the log jam in front of him. Now, I don't think there is any risk of him starting in Grand Rapids because he's he's not still waiver eligible, I don't believe. But Uh... I don't. I don't know where they're going to put him because he's just. Well, he is waivers exempt still. Okay. So that he's makes still in his initial tr- ELC. That makes it a little trickier, but I don't think there's any world where he starts in Grand Rapids. I mean, him, just and, because Raymond he's are that only, good. him and Raymond right now on the current forward setup on cap friendly are the only two forwards that are waiver eligible. I'll tell you that if it came down to, and I know they want to play him at center. To saying, man, we got waivers exempt. Let me put it that way instead of eligible. We got to do something. I would sooner waive Joe Valeno than start Bear Grin in Grand Rapids. Agreed. And Joe Valeno, just quick notes on him. He he looked uh, okay. I mean, he looked stronger on his skates. He he had uh, some good looks, though. Good passes. Um, I think that Lalone has also said that he he hit a wall toward the end of last season. Yeah, he did. They need him to start like he did last season, but continue it through the entire season. But if you had to tell me I had to pick between the two, Berggren's making the team absolutely because there's a lot of growth there for him. And I think that growth is only going to happen if he plays at the NHL level, which he absolutely can do. But I... I liked his game. There's there's just so many good things you can say about him. He's a high energy, high impact guy who's sneaky and elusive, has a great shot, great vision. Um, very excited for him to get a full season in. Yeah, no, I think he's a guy most Wings fans should be hanging their hat on. And if you're if you're making the comparison of Leno in a way, it's almost not fair because they're both very different players and what they should be bringing to the team. But. No, Burgers 
I'm, I'm pumped. And if he's going to keep shooting, because I feel like toward the end of the year last year, the shot really started to come together and he started to come into his own. I think he can be a guy that you're pushing 50, 60 points if he starts, if it clicks. And that's huge. So the next guy I want to talk about is let's go Simon Edvinson. Um, who I was just happy mortal. he was out there. Yeah. So apparently he says he feels great. Yeah. Everything's working. Took full contact. That was surprising. Um, his mortal enemy is apparently now Moritz Sider. Uh, <laughs> they were they were battling each other. Like he yeah. took the page out of the book where if you want to make an impression, find find the toughest guy and beat him up. And I think that's what he was doing with Mo. Uh, Mo did not like that he shot the puck after the whistle went. Uh, it kind of gave him a time there, but they were scuffling back and forth and they were hard on each other. But I think it's just that getting him there, getting him in the games was impressive enough. Uh, he showed the offense. He had a breakaway overtime five-hole oh. goal that was so, so pretty. I was, I was a mute. I mean, now granted, that breakaway happened off a turnover that he had right before that, which led to a two-on-one the other way. So if if JT Comfer is the reverse Andrew Kopp, I will tell you that Simon Edmondson is probably the reverse Mo Sider. Uh, it's they will comp if they end up playing together on a pair, they will complement each other so well that it's not going to be funny. I mean, he's got some work to do. And mm -hmm. I mean, next to probably Albert Johansson, who also looked polished, he was probably the most polished uh, defensive prospect that we saw there, as he should be, though. Like he's got so much skill and I don't think he'll start the season in Detroit simply because of the defensive log jam that's been created. Yeah. But I would not be surprised if he's the first call up uh, because there's just there's so much there. And I think you need to get him going. Yeah, no, he he was noticeable and not just because of how freaking big he is out there. Right? Like he can. Skate. Huh? He can skate. Oh, his skating. I know because he was out there with, uh, I think, Hull on the four on four stuff. Let me see. What did I have for that one? Yeah, he was on the when it came to four on four on Team White. Him and Justin Hall were out there together, and they I thought they complemented each other really well. The way that Hall like he's aggressive moving up the ice, but Evanson he, he had a bit more freedom to kind of go do what he had to do, and I, I like the way they played off each other. Evanson on the power play, this could be a look into the future. Maybe not with Zarnik, but you had Rasmussen and Danielson up there with Casper on the other point at least off the face-off dot. So Ed was running power play two for Team White, and I thought they looked pretty damn dangerous. Casper and Danielson, to me, I thought were feeding off each other, but then you had Edmondson at the point driving those two to force them force them down into the, the center of the ice to get some scoring chances going. I liked it. So Ed, I think, I don't really think any of us were expecting to see him yet, were you? No, I was not expecting him to play in training camp at all. No. So the fact that he was out there is huge, which I think Iserman may have hinted at it a little bit in one of the in one of his press conferences prior to. Um, yeah, he said that he'd be ready for, for opening night, basically. Yeah. So he almost made it sound like it'd be more like a cop or even a Burt situation last year where they're not necessarily ready toward opening night, which gave us some pause. But if he's going to be out there and on the ice for preseason games. All the cards are on the table at this point. So I, I'm pumped. Should he go to 
Grand Rapids, probably, but I wouldn't be upset if he's beating somebody out for Detroit. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, I want you to do one more before we, uh, I'll, you do one more, mm-hmm. I'll do one more. And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit on little before we wrap it up. So we've kind of touched on most of the guys. The only big ones that are missing really, uh, Casper Reimer, uh, and then you're looking at guys like, Austin, uh, Lombardi, yeah, Clem Costin, Lombardi and, um, cross Hannes. Do we know why, real quick, before I touch on my last, my bring up my last one, where's Ben Sherratt? Ben Sherratt is out with uh, per, uh, personal issues, family stuff. That, that um, came out, okay. Lalone said that he should be back uh, into um, preseason, like towards the end of preseason. Gotcha. I, I noticed that watching through, I was like, there's somebody missing. Who is it? And it yeah. just dawned on me. Uh, the last name I'll bring up then I think is Costin. And to me, he was kind of a guy that was just kind of there. Nothing really stood out. I'm trying to find him on what I don't think he wanted to kill anyone. No, he didn't want to kill anyone, but he, 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 what number is he now? Um, I don't know, but I can look. Yeah, he's 24 because he was out there with Rasmussen on the four on four lines, which that was a fun group, two, two guys to watch together. I thought they complimented each other pretty well, but there really wasn't a lot from Costin that I saw that was like, oh, shit, that was awesome. Looked great. Like he was kind of there. I didn't I don't actually have any notes on him from something like impactful that he did. I mean, there's a few times I remember in the four on four that. Him and Raz were wreaking some havoc and like try, pushing toward the net. But outside of that, I mean, unless I missed something for the five on five that he was out there for, and I couldn't see the numbers correctly, but I saw Zarnik more, I think, on the five on five than I saw Clem Costin. So I don't know if he was maybe missing action or had an issue, but I, I was, I'm mentioning him as someone that I was hoping to have seen more of and more impact from. So I don't know if something was going on there, maybe. I thought on the PK, he looked good. I do remember yeah. seeing on that he was on the PK with Raz as well as Hall and uh, oh who was wearing fifty two I had the name somewhere but I forget but one of the it, invite guys but huge bodies my note from him with Raz on the PK at least is that they skated well and caused issues for the power play so that could be a role that we start seeing him in I mean those two guys could be together in the regular season for all we know I think I'll follow it up with uh i guess my guys i wanted to see more from casper i i what i saw i liked i wanted to see more yeah that um but i think my other guys are amadeus lombardi who had some good zone entries but overall not much at all there was just so many guys and the way that they yeah. did it it made it difficult for and everyone again, it was one period it was yeah, one, one period, period of like hockey. five on five hockey um, Cross Hannes is another one who like was amazing during the prospect tournament and then like not really anything in in the scrimmage. But again, it's just a scrimmage. Uh, James Reimer looked really good, man. I yeah. mean, he looked great. So, so other than the, like the goals that he let in were literal cross ice beauties. Yep. Like no chance. Yeah, they they were ones where if it was an actual game there, he'd be happy with the game he played, even though he let in the two goals that were absolutely unavoidable. So yeah. I think that so overall, the scrimmage was good. 
I liked it. Uh, I don't like the setup that they did. I don't think they needed to take the entire second period to do special teams like that. I don't, I don't I didn't mind it. I didn't like that it was limited to one minute because more often than not, you see an entire minute wasted just trying to get established for your power play. And then that's where shit gets crazy. What I would have liked to see was two periods of actual play and then split the third between special teams and overtime and yeah. then run into the shootout. That probably would have been more would have given you a little better look. But again, they're just trying to do warm ups here is what they're trying to do with this scrimmage and get the guys warmed up going into preseason. But I want to touch on uh, Derek Lalone did his final press conference. I pulled uh, one thing out of it that I really like because you can wrap us into it if you want to consider us media, which we don't like to consider ourselves media because we're, we're, media. we're held to higher standards. We're ready to we're talk about media. Uh, Derek Lalone said he'd stopped reading the media because there are so many negative things said about the Red Wings in their projections. Everyone is writing them off, says it's not a knock on the guys, just a reality of the division. But they exceeded expectations last season and they hope to do the same thing again this season. He says he likes the guys that believe that they can do it because someone said only only 95 yeah, percent nose moment right after yeah. that. Only 95 percent of the guys are saying yeah. they can't do it. There are still five percent out there. He's like, well, I like those guys and we're those guys. And yeah. we are the guys who are not writing off the Detroit Red Wings. I think we said it was last week or the week before. Literally, everyone has write, written us off already. They're like, well, there's no improvement. They'll go from 80 points to 84 points. And it's just there's no superstars and there's no whatever. But it's like. Who's a superstar in Vegas? They're Jack failing. Eichel. What they're failing. And Mark Stone, I guess if you want to call Mark Stone a superstar. But they're failing to miss the point of depth. Like Dom LeCision put out an article today that's like, what is Iserman doing? And like, we know what Iserman is doing. If you listen to literally any of the local Detroit people, you know what Iserman is doing. He has said over, unless it's Carlos Monterez, who's a guy who I, he's on my shit list because every time he's like, is the Iser plan failing? What is even his plan? It's like, well, if you literally listen to anyone, ask me. If you want to know what the Iser plan is, DM at GrindlinePod. And I will lay out the entire thing for you. Because Listen to any time Iserman speaks. Just pay attention for two seconds because it's rolling cap, bringing in guys to help other guys develop, leaving space for dudes who are coming up in the system and stocking up on draft picks and not trading away assets. He's literally building a team while gathering assets. It's what he's got to do. And if you would just pay attention for three seconds instead of hate writing about the Red Wings while you're whatever, it's it's very obvious, just stupidly obvious what's happening. Is Monterey the most hated sports writer in Detroit? I think he was on Lions Beat and then they hated him so much on Lions Beat that they're like, no, go to Red Wings. And now he's like the most hated guy on Red Wings Beat because again, Is he actually covering the wings now. He over the past two or three or seasons, is he just like touching everything at this point because of downsizing a little bit that might be it but whatever he touches is terrible so i need him to stop touching the red wings yeah he's, he's gonna have the entire city hating him at this point i mean it's bad enough when you shit on the lions over and over and especially when they actually do well to do yeah. now try to pull your shit into tr- on the on the wings like just go away dude just stop stop before you start um but ryan would you did you pull anything out of the lone press conference that you want to touch on um Someone made a good point right toward the end, and it's kind of where I had to cut it off. But 
the highlight now is going to be on the, how the teaching process changes between training camp going into the preseason. And he highlighted the fact that it's training camp is all about structure, getting everyone on the same page and make understanding what's going on, what, what the coach is looking for, what your teammates are doing, so on and so forth. Now, starting tomorrow night with that first preseason game in Pittsburgh with Pittsburgh, it's going to be about execution and how they can implement what it is that they've been discussing into the game. That's going to be the biggest difference in what the coaching staff and the management team is going to be looking at over these next eight games to figure out who should be here, who should be in Grand Rapids, who's getting the cord cut off their PTO and or tryout, what have you. So that, I think that's my high, highlight. You touched on the expectations piece with how it stopped, how he stopped reading the media more or less, which is interesting because some of the things that he mentioned Shows you he was paying a lot of attention to it coming up into the. Into oh, the yeah. So, yeah. But no, I thought that, that was my big one. Uh, I already touched on it earlier about when he expects to have lines set. And he says it's probably going to take the whole preseason before that's all set before the first game in that window where they have to have the deadline for the rosters, which is usually like two or three days prior to the first game of the year. So um, we'll just wait and see. Awesome. Let's get your uh, quick final thoughts before we sign off then. Final thoughts. We have Red Wings hockey in less than 24 hours. I will be there and I can't freaking wait. Let's go Red Wings. Already Ryan 33. Yeah, same. I got my tickets, Ryan. I've got tickets home for home opener. I got my home opener tickets and I got oh. them for way cheaper than what everyone else had them. Not way cheaper, but like $30 under what everyone else in the same section had theirs listed for. I like caught them at just the right time. Where so, are you going to be at? Uh, 118. Okay. So you'll be on the opposite corner. Yeah, 118, I think, row 21 or something like that. So Nice. Yeah, and they were like 166 a ticket, and other ones in that section were like 190. So, yeah, yeah. someone just wanted to offload their tickets. But I will be there. It will be a great time. Uh, come say hi to us. Send us a, send us a message on uh, whatever platform you're on. If you want to come say hello, I should have at least a few stickers on me at that point Ooh. to give out. We do pictures. Uh, we like to post on social media. So come Red say Wings hi. Twitter pick, of course. Yeah. So come say hi to us uh, when you see us or if you would like to see us at the home opener. We will be there. We hang out uh, normally by the team store during intermission. Um, but that is going to do it for us tonight. We like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet for hosting us and spreading us around. Also to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. Uh, get stock now before they switch over to Fanatics. It's going to be a terrible time with Fanatics jerseys. So uh, go and get your stuff right now. But you can also check out our merch before the season on RedBubble.com by searching the Grind Line. If you use the promo code GRINDLINE on Howie's Hockey Tape, you'll get 10% off. Use the same promo code on Bring Hockey Back. You'll get 12% off. Uh, also, go check us out on YouTube, sub, and turn on the notifications to see whenever a video goes live. There will be more content throughout the season. If interesting stuff happens, I put stuff up between episodes that are out weekly. But that is going to do it for us tonight. Like I said, so for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Akita.